seven, 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 seven. Hello, you are listening to episode 33 of Ultra Q. I was about to say 32, despite confirming it was 33 right now. Uh, I am Red, I am joined by Mel. So, are you guys a half, a glass half full or half empty person? Uh, I am a glass half uh, empty person, I'm gonna be honest. I'm tiny and inside the glass, much like our hero this week. Uh... <laughs> trying I'm it's gonna have to go a whole episode without making a joke about uh something cursed from the internet but uh, uh I was thinking that too while watching this so don't worry we're in the same headspace <laughs> okay okay that's good it's not e- it's 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 a glass it's not even the right uh receptacle but um... <laughs> don't call it that uh... um okay uh so coming up uh this week we also have... high resin Hi, oh, Raz, yeah. I'm also joined by Raz. Razan spoke, and so I just thought, oh yeah, he's introduced. <laughs> well, well done, good hosting. <laughs> Job done. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, Razan, what's up? We allowed uh, you back in. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played Nikkei in seven days. <laughs> I think we should. Need, I think we should talk. Uh, continue on with the episode. So, um, coming up uh, on Ultra Seven, we've got. Tiny Ultra 7, The Return of Mid, and Tiny Ultra 7 again. <laughs> they do it twice in three weeks, uh, interrupted by... <laughs> um, before we get to that, so, uh, last Sunday, we recorded the podcast, and I, st- I was it was the evening, it was late at night, middle of the night, to be honest. Like like half past zero, um, and I was like, I'm I'm editing, uh, skipping the queue. I'm editing. I'll just I'm just getting ahead, uh, just for just because I can. And I heard the sound. What sounded like someone having a shower in the room next to me. And I was like, there isn't. A sh- that's a living room. That's not right. And so I walk in and I see there's just water coming in f- from around a vent. Um, and so, uh, my week has been interesting, um, as I had to try to figure out whether, um, I was moving out or not, uh, because my lease is up on the 1st of October. (laughs) Um, and so I was just like, I haven't got long to figure this out. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, that's been interesting. Um, luckily what happened is, 
um, that was a serious problem. And so all the other problems with the downstairs, like, you know, the damp, um, are getting fixed. Um, so, uh, kids, accelerationism. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, uh, the consequence of this is that uh, I have been not doing anything that I would have previously considered like worthwhile. I have been like, I have been eating like shit and I have been, so I have been reading trash um, uh, and also to an extent playing trash. Um, Red Law. Uh, I've read quite a lot of 80s, 2000 AD, um, which is like the, the magazine that Judge Dredd is from. Um, but Judge Dredd wasn't necessarily my thing. My thing is Strontium Dog. In fact, my monitor, instead of sitting on like a proper monitor stand, it's, it's sitting on two omnibus uh, <laughs> editions of uh, Strontium Dog about Johnny Alpha, the mutant bounty hunter. Um, and 2000 AD has a particular brand of stupid, um, which is Strontium Dog there's an arc in it where Johnny Alpha gets a job and competes with other bounty hunters on this job to go back in time and get Hitler from just before he kills himself and bring him back to the future to be put on trial. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so this is the kind of like, it's kind of like vaguely like, there's some left wing stuff going on in here and it's of a particular vibe it's like it's it's living it's pe left-wing people living through thatcher um and making really high stupid comics and so i feel whenever i glance towards this media pro i feel a natural affinity towards how stupid 40k looks um so i have i have been reading uh three 40k novels at the same time uh this week oh no what? uh uh, yes, and that I once? play I, that basically at the same time, kind of, just like, and um, I've also played Dawn of War, uh, just the base game, none of the um, expansions yet. Uh, first of all, let me tell you, that game's got terrible pathing, uh, <laughs> fucking atrocious, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just a decent RTS. So what, do, so, what do you two know about 40k? Uh emperor that's supposed to be a pastiche of people with bad opinions but then there's actually a lot of people that with real unironic bad opinions that like him because of that and the company numerous times has been has needed to be like no, no don't don't be like that <laughs> that's a, that's about uh also uh the miniatures look cool uh a billion dollars to paint uh mm -hmm. tyranids kind of fucked up uh mm -hmm. The tower, probably correct. Wait, I know one more thing. What? What's one more thing you know? Uh, they hired the I Divine Cybermancy people for some fucking reason to make a, a game in the 40k universe, and I respect that decision. The who? Uh, I Divine Cybermancy is a very dumb, weird shooter. It is a Eurojank shooter. Eurojank shooter. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And they hired those people to make, I think it's called Necromunda. Is that it? Mm -hmm. yes. And that's that's about all I know. Uh, so, uh, 40k uh, appeals to me in the sense uh, that it is uh, 
it is sort of like that meme about uh, the indomitable human, the the uh, cold and caring universe when the indomitable human spirit walks in, taken to its most obvious uh, fascist extreme <laughs> of <laughs> of just uh, the Imperium of mankind at the end of like far far in the future, um, waging a hopeless war, uh, like pointless war against enemies that will defeat them. Um, like the the fundamental truth that makes 40k like kind of interesting to me is like well the empire are going to lose and also they are the bad guys <laughs> um and uh so i have been reading novels of various degrees of quality <laughs> about about 40k uh i so i'm gonna let you guess which of these is the most cringe so I have already read a while ago because it was up for a different podcast. I read Horus Rising um, as a Dan Abnett novel. I read another Dan Abnett novel called uh, First and Only, which is about Gaunt and his um, uh, his uh, first Tanith regiment. And it's space sharp. It's sharp in space. Um, and he's like, in the Imperial Guard. Um, and uh, then there's... Uh, I've read... I've been reading, I finished that one. Uh, I'm also reading the second Horus Heresy book, which is about the 30K. It's a pre, it's the prequel to what happened. It's like about how everything comes to be. Uh, that one's by Graham McNeil. Uh, and then I'm reading a book called Space Wolf, which is about <laughs> the Viking space marines. Now, if I, had to, if I had to guess which one of these was the cringe one. Go for it. Uh, the Viking Space Marines sounds like it could... Viking Space Marines. Now, uh, now, I also went into this thinking like, the, I have to know why people like the Viking Space Marines because that sounds like the worst thing in the entire universe. <laughs> um, I got in like two chapters in and I was like, oh, the Space Wolves are the coolest Space Marines. <laughs> Uh, because they're doing a fucking uh, star ocean to themselves. Um, they to recruit space wolves. They turn like their homeworld Fenris into a star ocean, and they just have like real Vikings there. That you know, if they die with honor in battle, they come in their spaceships and pick them up and take them off to become space marines. So for the space wolves, the universe of forty k is Valhalla. <laughs> And I'm like, this is the dumbest, most big brain thing in the world. I love it. <laughs> um, it's also got the advantage of being written like a real book. Um, uh, because uh, here's the thing about Dan Abner is I don't think he's interested in writing books. Uh, I, you know, now, the listener familiar with Dan Abner might think, uh, but hang on, Red. He's written a quadrillion books. Uh, to which I say, yes, that's what I fucking said. He, he doesn't care. <laughs> He just fucking pumps that shit out. Um, he doesn't care about the medium at all, uh, which is why Gaunt's Ghost has like 50 chapters for some reason. Um, it's like fucking three, like turn three pages and you've read a chapter. And so what are you doing? What is this Dan Brown shit? Um, uh, so Space Wolf had the advantage of like, I looked at my, I looked at how long a, like a chapter was in audiobook form and I was like, oh, like 30 minutes. All right. That's all right. We're doing okay. <laughs> um, but uh, it is probably the most cringy of the three, but also it's it's it's, it's just kind of all right. Uh, 
the second Horus Heresy book seems better than the first one because, again, I just don't care for... I think I don't like Dan Abner because, which is unfortunate, because I think I want to read uh, the what is it, the one about the space cops? The, they've he's got he's written crime novels in forty k, and I'm like oh, I have oh. to read that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been reading uh, trash uh, and uh, mostly enjoying it. Uh, I just go, you know, I plug in like an audiobook and I just go for like a two hour walk. Uh, so that's that's all right. Um, uh, better, th- I would say the books are better than Dawn of War. I, th- Dawn of Dawn of War is alright. It's just like I I suspect I'll enjoy the expansions more, which I have because I got them in a bundle. Um, yeah, I'm more interested in Dawn of War as like mechanics wise. I know yeah. they, that studio also did Company of Heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, and the- I read that these are like RTS games that aren't base building focused, which seems interesting because that seems like otherwise yeah. a staple of the genre so they're not base building focused um there's still a little bit but it's like minimal um it's uh and the resources are requisition and i suppose i've talked about rts's on this podcast before so this should be the thing that i actually focus on um they got like requisite the two resources are requisition and power requisition you get by capturing flags capturing points um, like it's a domination, like game of domination, um, and uh, and you can like build things on the flags to like make them more secure um, and generate more requisition, and that's kind of what you use to build uh, like space marines slash you know whatever your faction is. Um, I'm looking forward to Winter Assault because the Guard are, are just cooler than Space Marines uh, because they're not... The, the interesting split between Space Marines and Guards, the thing that the, I could do... Now, Games Workshop, let me take control <laughs> of your franchise. I will make Space Marines right. I will do it. Um, you have to focus on the impotence of them at all times because they're the really cool hyper masculine like ah oh, nothing you know, we can defeat anything we're so cool we're the best in the world and also there aren't enough of them to win any war <laughs> um, and so they're completely useless basically um, and uh, the Imperial Guard are what it's all about um, which is just like normal people thrown onto the front lines and if you attempt to flee you're the, your commanding officer will shoot you in the head to encourage everyone else to stay. <laughs> um, uh, I, I like I, it, bring back the two thousand ADness. Make it absurdly evil. This is another criticism I have of these three of these three books across the board. Is just people trying to trying to trying to go like serious, trying to take this a little too seriously. And I'm like, why is, this should be goofier. Um, but uh, the other resource you have is power in Dawn of War, um, and that's you just get that from building power supplies, and that gives you like vehicles and things. And there's some difference between I've now played like two factions because I played like the tutorial of Winter Assault with the Imperial Guard, and they're all about you can just build their main unit, the Guard, from the base, the main base. And then the vehicles, you have to like install separate uh, upgrades for your buildings so that you can build those vehicles. And every building that the Imperial Guard have, have tunnels between them. And so you can garrison your guard in your main base and have them near the front line like almost instantly. 
um, just through those tunnels. Uh, because, you know, you have these advantages because your units are the weakest in the game. <laughs> Because you're the Imperial Guard, you're just fucking nobody's handed a rifle uh, and told to go fight the horrors of the universe. Um, uh, but uh, the one that I'm looking forward to is uh, Dark Crusade, which has like a uh, like a meta game to it, like a like capture the kind of total warish, but probably not to that extent. Um, and also the Necrons are in that one, and uh, I like the necrons um they are cool they're big uh like undead robots um from like kind of kind of vaguely uh racist egyptian robots um sort of like two like kings and tombs and stuff um they're sick uh i'm the ah uh, yes the necrons have possession the blue stone of barati yep they do damn no stopping them now. No stopping them now. Uh, so, Dawn of the Dawn of War like one like has like this campaign, but it's mostly just like you have to just get to the other side of the map. Uh, and uh, the annoying thing about it is that normal is way too easy. And so I was just like, at some point, I was just like, I just have to crank this up to hard if I want to have any fun. Um, and uh, so I did, and that was all right. Uh, it was uh, kind of goofy in that like two thousands RTS uh, like cinematics way, um, kind of like reminded me of like Age of Mythology cinematics. Um, I you know I had a, I had a good time. I st I still think I think I'm just more of a two D RTS person. I just like whenever I see like three D RTS games that aren't like whenever it's squad based it's like you build a unit and you build more than one unit um i think when i was a teenager i thought that those were the coolest games in the world i think these days i think they suck um <laughs> i don't like them i'm not interested in them um they are everything just gets so messy and clumped up and you can't move things around very well um, because you've got like every unit is like five or nine, five to nine units um, that uh, have to fit through gaps and struggle severely. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Can't wait to hear Red's take on Pikmin. <laughs> My take on Pikmin. My take on Pikmin is I'm probably I'm probably not going to play Pikmin anytime soon. <laughs> But um, not 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 because of like I don't you know it's probably a good video game but uh, you know um, I like uh, I I just like I like it when it's little dudes going to war I can't help myself. Let me tell you about Pikmin. No, <laughs> uh, those guys can die. Yeah. Speaking mm. of the horrors of the universe. Yeah. There's some fucked up little guys in Pikmin. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, oh, the I other thing play... I get. What were you gonna say? Anyway, I was just gonna say I need to play Pikmin three and four. Anyway, continue. Uh, the other thing that I guess I did, and this is, I would, I would say this is, this is related to forty k, uh, and I think uh, some people might feel disgust when I say that. Um, I finished the first uh, five short stories of Elric, which brings me up to Stormbringer. Um, yeah. 
So uh, I'm having a great time with those, uh, barring, you know, some classic, like, 60s, just some racism, but, uh, the, you know, some stuff about, like, slant-eyed warriors. Uh, barring that, you know, I've read Lord of the Rings. I'll live. Um, I had a great time. Uh, Elric, and this this is the bit that I think is, is related to, again, it's just fundamentally British. Elric feeling like this overwhelming sadness at his realization that he will he can never not be Mel Nibbanean is so good um and uh I think the the capstone to that uh, last story with uh he uh, you know he attempts to get rid of his sword and it it doesn't work <laughs> because the sword is <laughs> determined not to be got rid of um and um yeah I I can't wait wait for Elric's downfall. Um uh you know, Moonglum uh posting his letterboxed review of Joker. This happened to my buddy Elric. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Uh well, I read Peak this week. Okay. So, are y'all familiar with the new hit Shonen Jump manga, Kagura Macho? Oh <laughs> I think I'm gonna uh, hang up the call right now. Hey, Razen, tell me about Kagura Bachi. Uh, that's kind of hard, because that is not memorable, let me fucking tell you what. Um, so, for some reason, there's a new Shonen Jump story about some kid. Uh, honestly, do not remember his name. <laughs> uh, his dad is, like, the coolest blacksmith in all the land. He makes the best katanas, and he imbues them each with, like, a special, like, sorcery magic power uh, that uh, you can use if you're magically inclined. Um, this is all told through, like, a, a preliminary flashback sequence, and then we cut to modern day. The kid is all grown up now. He's a sad boy, uh, and he walks into a town... And uh, there's a group of, like, Yakuza sorcerers who are terrorizing the populace. Uh, and then uh, our, our hero walks in, but he has the last katana that his dad made, the most powerfulest katana of them all. And oh he God. swings his sword. He swings his sword really far and kills a whole warehouse of dudes who took some innocent protesters hostage. And I clapped. It, it's not all that good or interesting. I, I understand why it became a meme immediately. Uh, and it's the only reason I checked it out. Cause I'm like, why the fuck is everyone posting about this? Uh, and it, it's just the most mediocre, like first chapter of a Shonen story. You've read a million times in your life already. It, it is. I am not going to be continuing, but I, I had to know what was the deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the difference between you and me. Uh, Cause I didn't have to know. I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh those the at some point there was a part of me where I was like <clears throat> barring like the truly impenetrable stuff like one piece what if I just caught up with all of Shon weekly shonen jump and just oh, read it God. when it came out <laughs> like like what like what if I literally just like anything new that came out I read it I just read it cover to cover like a magazine. Oh no. See, even when I was a kid and I got Shonen Jump, I couldn't do that shit. Mm hmm. I mean, you know, 
Like, like, Actually, you know what? I I think I you did... should instead make a sane life decisions, like a, an Ultraman podcast. Yeah, true. <laughs> I I did tell one friend, this manga feels like something I would hear super eyepatch wolf reference when he's talking about the Shonen Jump popularity polls and would immediately forget about. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. Than... I can't. I can't wait for the 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 ninety minute super eye patch wolf in like five years about how everyone uh, everyone underestimated Kagurabachi. True. Yeah. What if like ten chapters in this just becomes the most beautifully striking, like emotionally heartfelt story that changes everyone's lives? You know, I feel bad for the video. guy, mate. <clears throat> oh, 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 I feel bad. You're breaking up about him. it. <laughs> Uh, I, <laughs> I, I have to assume, I wonder if this is also a meme for, uh, the Japanese audience. I assume, I assume okay, not. Okay, no, I, I have an update on that, because I saw when people were shitposting, someone in Japan tweeted, why is Kagurabachi so big with the West? There's only one <laughs> chapter. And then, the best thing I've ever read in my life, someone responded, I think in Western comic comics, things like gore and dismemberment are very common, and there's a lot of that in the first chapter, so they probably, it really took off with them because of that, and I was like, so true, Vesti, so fucking true. This, I, is, this is the opposite of the time I saw um, uh, someone posting a, a YouTube comment, the most beautiful YouTube comment I'd ever seen under a VTuber clip of them explaining what... Uh, what what a ligma joke was <laughs> in Japanese, and I could I, you know I couldn't understand exactly what they said, but I saw the like explanation in Japanese with the occasional like English like ligma and balls, and then at the end ligma balls. <laughs> I was like, this is uh, beautiful. I I will say, I I deeply appreciate the the modern convenience of all of these commenting services having the auto translate where it's like I'm. I can't tell exactly what you're saying, but I, I understand just enough of the sentiment to smile about it. Uh, the modern world. Um, so you, than... rec you recommend Kagurabachi? Fuck no, don't bother. Uh, <laughs> you recommend um, it wholeheartedly. Everyone should go. It's homework now. There's going to be a regular Kagurabachi section on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, the guy's name isn't Kagurabachi, which surprises <laughs> me. I don't remember his name, but I know it's not Kagurabachi. I mean, what does Kagurabachi mean? I don't know. We're, we were putting, we were, we were spending way too much time on this thing. Too not well, enough. <laughs> yeah, true. Um. Uh. It's a, when this is celebrating episode. Celebrate, okay. I don't when, know. when this is celebrating episode a thousand of the anime adaptation and the generation, I don't know what the generation after. Oh, every after week Zoomers the Kagurabachi is. fan base is gonna declare um, Kagurabachi the new best, uh, the new best, the new best show. Uh, mm -hmm. Goku doesn't compare. Um, it's yeah, yeah, uh, it's gonna be great, and uh, and they're gonna look back on our podcast and be like, oh, if only these chuckle fucks knew. That, yeah, they're going to know about our podcast. Well, Kagurabachi's going to turn out to be like a really big Ultra Q. Uh, oh, rip. hell yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's going to get the kids into the Ultra series. And then our podcast is going to take off. And mm -hmm. Naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
other than Kagurabachi, I've just been watching a bunch of dumb random shit that uh, really has no place being discussed on this podcast. Uh, and then also uh, Gundam 00, because GGP is on that now. Uh, I'm having a good time so far rewatching saw, that show. I rewatched episode one, and then I remembered, ah, uh, yes, I was a 00 sicko three years ago. It's a fun show to be a sicko for, I'm not going to lie. Absolutely, That's silly. I'm back. I'm back. <clears throat> it's a silly little cast of guys it's it's a fun time i'm uh seven episodes deep and uh i want to see if i can uh i at first i toyed with the idea of watching at pace with the podcast but i'm just like i just want to go through it <laughs> so i'm gonna see if i can wrap that up uh before the end of october we will see everything um, about the ira in double o is the funniest thing in the entire universe it's very funny <laughs> Uh, this is I like, explained I explained that plot thread to my uh, to one of my friends and was literally immediately like I I need to watch Gundam Double O immediately. <laughs> the de- it ca- the degree to which the IR- the like occasional details about the IRA it is like an overwhelmingly huge part of my memory of Double O. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny because it's not it's not actually that big a deal in the show but no. you know in my brain it's like the real IRA still exist 400 years from now <laughs> the splitters that came around in the 90s <laughs> <sighs> anyway yeah did, um, you, did someone did, did did someone watch something to I feel like I'm missing. I feel like there's some there's a there's a section I was expecting. Yeah, I was I was yeah. about to transition to it because oh, Mel go and ahead. I watched King Kong versus Godzilla, not the one you may be thinking of. Nah, get the shit out of here. Yeah, the 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 original 1963 hit film, um, directed by uh, Ishiro Honda himself. Yeah, this is me repicking up. Godzilla watch alongside Razen. Uh though this is We have to double back around. <laughs> yeah, also we have to double back around. Uh, yeah. I think like Yeah, I think that like there's we still have a few movies where I'm still in rewatch mode and then I'm finally in like new movie territory, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. How was King Kong versus Godzilla? Uh so I'm happy I watched this at this point in my life because I got to enjoy the experience of watching a King Kong versus Godzilla crossover movie and about 20 minutes in Fury of the South Seas just happens. Three yeah. years before Fury of the South Seas happens. <laughs> and, yeah, I and, will say uh, I like the premise of this movie a lot. Uh, there's some good moments. It does suck that the first half of the movie is just extremely racist. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh and then there's a there's a big fuck off brawl towards the end. <laughs> uh, I will highlight uh, when Resin says Fury of the South Seas happens is in the literal sense because they just reuse the octopus prop in Ultra Q and also some of the footage. That yeah. is hilarious. It it is so. F- uh, also, the Kong suit that was used because uh, one of the big things too is that they're not using the stop motion method that they did for uh to animate kong because obviously that looks silly next to godzilla uh they have kong in a suit fighting godzilla also in a suit um and uh that kong suit was reused for goro and goro episode two of uh, ultra q ah uh, that makes sense 
Yeah. It's it's kind of fun being deep enough in this hole now uh, to get to enjoy the reuse of these props and assets and stuff like that between productions. I am unsure if it is this Godzilla suit that gets reused in Ultra Q and Ultraman, but I just know some of them is. There's multiple Godzilla suits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, it's the actual plot of the movie, right? What is the actual plot of the movie? Uh, okay. Basically, the plot of the movie is this TV network is having low ratings. Uh, so they decide to go on, like, a venture to find out an island if an island has a kaiju. And they find King Kong. And they're like, oh, man. With these, with our exclusive report on King Kong, uh, we're going to get all the ratings. Uh, and then simultaneously, at the same time, Godzilla comes back. And they're like, fuck. <laughs> And literally the TV guy is like, everything in the news is all about Godzilla, Godzilla, Godzilla. Why doesn't anyone care about King Kong? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then eventually uh, they're like, I know how to boost the ratings. So what if we orchestrate a fight between Godzilla and King Kong? About <laughs> yes. So they decide to kidnap King Kong. Well, okay. King Kong has already been subdued. Uh, the timing on this I'm not quite remembering, but King Kong gets subdued and falls asleep, as he does in King Kong. Uh, and then they bring him back to Japan on, like, a, a raft. And the reason they're doing that is because Godzilla escapes from the frozen prison he gets submerged in after the avalanche caves in on him um, from Godzilla Raids Again. Like, th this is explicitly a sequel. Uh, and they're like, wait, Godzilla didn't die by getting frozen alive? And then some scientist guy's like... Oh, you know, there's, like, 40,000-year-old seeds that, like, still grow plants and stuff. So, like, this isn't that surprising, actually. And I'm like, Damn, okay. they got, got Ichinotani. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then they say Godzilla's definitely coming back to Japan because animals just remember their home. Like, they always know how to get back home. Uh, so then they drop off King Kong to deal with Godzilla, and uh, there's a there's a huge fight. Um, June is there. Hell too. yeah. Yeah, yeah, babe. Yeah. Kenji Sahara, our guy. Yes. Um, and, uh, there's, there's a huge fight by a cliff and, uh, King Kong and Godzilla fall into the ocean together. Only King Kong emerges and he decides to swim back to his island. And then a guy in a helicopter goes, so is Godzilla dead? And the other guy's like, eh, I don't know, probably not. Uh, and then some guy looks at the camera and says, damn, we should be a lot more like King Kong. We should learn how to live alongside the world instead of on top of it. Oh, yeah, like um, that's the how, Ultra that's Q episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder if Godzilla will come back, looks at looks at their spreadsheet Godzilla versus Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> um, Guys, fellas, I think he's come I think Godzilla's coming back. He's making back. Um I like this movie overall though. Yeah, it's I will pretty say. fun. Uh brought down by the first half for sure. Uh 100%. Uh there's a lot of blackface in this movie. It is bad. Uh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, 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 like, I guess that's the one thing about I the Ultra episode is it's black and white and so there isn't blackface. <laughs> Um, there's a, there's like another fight earlier on, um, and like King Kong somehow gets electric powers by observing electricity. Yo. Um. Also, they do the pastiche of the man, the um, the Empire State Building thing. What um, do they with use? Like the Japanese diet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 
one um, thing I did appreciate about this movie, and like, is the diet? it made me, it made me smile because I went, oh, like, of course this is what a crossover movie was like back in the day. They basically remade Godzilla and King Kong as like a highlight reel, and then smashed them together and made them fight. It it is a crossover in the most basic ass sense of the term, uh, and it's clear that there's a lot of love for both movies in here. Um, I had always heard of this movie as being like, oh, this is where everything got lighthearted and campy, and it honestly was a little bit less of that than I expected, but they still have fun with it, uh, and, and it's just a good popcorn movie um, yeah. for for the majority of it. Uh, it Like, even, like, the TV producer guy is clearly supposed to be a riff on the shitty businessman who organizes the Kong expedition in King Kong, uh, but they yeah. play him up to just be the most, like... The most uh, obtuse, like, oblivious, uh, get-rich-quick uh, type yeah. of network asshole uh, is just great. In some ways, I feel like this movie is making fun of the kind of movie that the uh, the, the second Godzilla vs. King Kong is. Uh, just yeah. <laughs> oh, which is really funny. Now, uh, now I quickly have a, have a question. Do you say that to use the diet building to do the, This building is not tall enough. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, the it, to- Tokyo it, Tokyo Tower was built by then. <laughs> don't worry about it. I just I just googled it. I just made sure it was built in 1958. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think they'd want to. You know how the, they put the shard in like the James Bond movie the moment they the moment they could. Um, yeah. The the big the 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 new tallest building in London. Um, you'd think with Tokyo Tower being relatively recent addition to tokyo um you'd think they'd want to anyway use the diet i you know i i guess obviously tokyo tower is not where the government is so it's it doesn't doesn't carry the same meaning <laughs> maybe they should put the government in tokyo on tokyo tower yeah really, <laughs> like it's not it's not like they went to, to tokyo tower in persona 5 geez don't you know anything about themes <laughs> Quattro Pagina voice. Is there any way we can send the politicians to Tokyo Tower? <laughs> I'm gonna call up my buddy Garamon after, and he's gonna. Yeah. Um. He's got a. He's got a. He's gonna come, come in with his band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um. But yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else I have more to say. It's just. It's just a fun movie. Uh, yeah. It's. It is. Uh, I think it's kind of neat that King Kong kind of sort of comes out on top uh, because I, I, well, if there's one I thing I, if there's one thing I fucking hate, it's when movies do the thing where it's like, oh, they're fighting, but then there's a third actually evil person that needs to uh, be dealt with. So they team up. Oh, uh, no, you know what? You know what? I am with you. It sucks when, um, there are exceptions to this, but I think overall, when you have rivals, one of them should, like, win. Yeah. Uh, actually, hold on. I need to reference something. Towards the end of this movie, when King Kong and Godzilla are throwing down, someone looks at the camera and says, two heroes cannot coexist. We all know this. And I'm like, what do you mean, heroes? <laughs> <laughs> two heroes cannot coexist. Uh, I, think, I, think, I, think, I feel like it's... Uh... I feel like it's one of those things where it's like heroes in like the mythic sense rather than like the yes. actual character. Uh, True. Also, that not Nazi uh, voice. It is. 
it is very fitting that uh, Godzilla and King Kong are the two heirs of the age. Uh, which one is Lupe, though? <laughs> oh, ooh, which one's Sao Tao? Which one's Lupe? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I think... Um, No, I don't. I don't have it in me to pick one. I don't have it in me to distinguish the vibes. Uh, something that I did think was the passage of time fascinates me, but uh, this movie was made thirty years after the original King Kong came out, and nine years after Godzilla, and it just it's it just blows my mind because it yeah. all stuff this old just kind of exists past a point in like a blur of. Oh yeah, that's like classic movie, classic TV stuff or whatever. And it's yeah. just like to think about like 30 years after seeing King Kong, a kid could have seen this too. Um actually, Mel, do you know about the American release stuff with this movie in particular? No, I don't know. Oh, it's are. kind of interesting. So, I got mad because I have the big Showa Godzilla Criterion collection. And one of the reasons I felt so confident buying that when it went on sale the time I bought it or whatever was the fact that it's like, hey, it's all of the original Japanese stuff. And when you buy kai like early classic kaiju, especially Godzilla stuff, um, in the West, so many times it's just the dubbed version and like, get get the fuck, I don't want that shit. Um, I understand that stuff is like important to the genre and worth looking at just because it is kind of interesting seeing all the changes they made and and how they brought that stuff over here and how they decided to dub it and, and edit it and all that stuff but i just don't personally care as much about that as i do seeing the original japanese intent um so i turn in so i, I put in the disc that has the the this like you know kong versus godzilla on it or, or king kong versus godzilla the new one's called kong versus godzilla um I put in the disc that has this movie on it, and it's a 4K restoration of the dub. And I went, what the fuck is going on here? That's not what I was advertised. So I look back at my big collection thing, and there's a bonus disc called The Supplements that has the original Japanese cut. And I went, what the? Why? Like, what's the point? Uh, I would have thought that if there's going to be like an English version, it would have been on that instead. The reason for this is because the for the longest time, the Japanese version of this movie was one of the most poorly preserved uh, early kaiju movies because uh, there was a children's movie festival and uh, the director, uh, one uh, Ishiro Honda, decided to cut the original film negative to make a more child-friendly quicker paced cut of the movie and a shit ton of the original footage was just lost and has had to have been restored through other means so mel i don't know if you noticed while watching that sometimes the footage jumps kind of weird that's why oh okay um that that is that is the most i have no idea that i'm making incredibly culturally important things decision in the world (laughs) that that is like it is, you know, it is not 20, 30 years from now and people are, you know, my movies are a big deal. It is, I'm making, like, the flavor of the month right now and mm-hmm. um, it really, you know, preservation for this, really? 
Damn. Yeah, and I I think it wasn't until like yeah, it it was 2016 we finally got a decent restoration of this uh movie, which is insane to think about. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, it'll be difficult at some point, given our pace with the movies. Well, we'll see. But it's also interesting just like compare and where we are in the podcast timeline. Uh, this movie comes out four years before Ultra Q and Ultraman, so just no. Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot, actually. I mean, obviously because Fear of Fury of the South Seas just happens, and I went, oh, yep, that's the octopus. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's definitely in that era of like, oh shit, kaiju stuff coming back. Yeah, um, yeah it's interesting. It's cool. There's like the third Godzilla movie too, which is interesting. Um, I think like I looked at the Godzilla wiki like to split up the Showa era a little bit, just one because there's a lot of movies and two it's sort of like you got the two gods original movies and then you just get a bunch of more standalone kaiju movies that toei starts doing uh and then they bring back godzilla with this one uh that's when godzilla starts to become more of like a big franchise kind of thing mm-hmm. which is interesting uh so yeah we got a uh, all back on the grind with the movies we're doing Mysterians next, right? Yeah, so that's the that's looping back. That's the one after Rodan. Uh, yes, I am. I am excited to watch that movie. I've been meaning to for quite a minute. So yeah, I like to rewatch that one just because I feel like I didn't get as much out of it the original time. But you know, I remember it being kind of cool. Yeah, Star aliens in it. It sounds pretty cool. Um. Yeah. That's Speaking all I had for this week, by the way. <laughs> I didn't have anything else. Same. I'm, I am out. Speaking of things that have aliens in it, uh, let's talk about Ultra 7. Specifically, yes. episode 31, about a woman who has an alien in her. Um, uh, the flower where the devil dwells. Yes. Uh... A young woman named Kauri sees a strange petal fall from the sky and kisses it, uh, only to fall unconscious. Uh, she is brought to the Ultra Guard base for treatment as she needs a blood transfusion urgently, and Amagi shares her rare blood type. Dan sees the strange petal and is like, well, okay, lol, this isn't from Earth. Uh, at night, Kauri wanders down to the basement where blood for transfusions is kept. Uh, she also attacks a nurse and vampire bites Amagi. Uh, the Ultra Guard return her to her bed and figure out that Kauri's drinking blood for some reason, and the doctors discover she has an alien parasite that is giving her anemia, uh, probably from the weird petal that she kissed. Uh, modern medicine can't destroy the parasite. What can they do? Another night, another incident, as Carrie escapes the base with a hypnotized Amagi in tow, and they head to a funfair and ride the carousel. Um, Carrie drinks some more blood and tries to flee, but the Ultra Guard catch her. Um, Amagi begs the doctors to save Carrie, but they can't. Uh, there's only one thing for it. Dan waits until everyone else has left the room and turns tiny and flies up her nose and into her body to fight the parasite itself. Um, unfortunately... The fight isn't going very well as Ultra 7 struggles against bubbles, uh, but the doctor notices unusual activity from the patient and administers some medicine from uh, of some kind that gives Ultra 7 the boost he needs to defeat the parasite. 
uh, with Kauri saved, Amagi meets her in a field of flowers, and she says he seems familiar to him to her. Um, the end. Uh, so tiny little Ultraman, Ultra Seven even. <laughs> good, good catch, good, good catch. Good. Uh, so, go ahead. Two, two, two broad points. Uh, one, this plot is uh, something, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and and two, uh, Ultra Seven going inside a human to fight an alien is pretty cool. Yeah, I was. I've been waiting for something like this to happen because every kid show has to do all of. We them. go inside the body. Yes, all of them. Like, and I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long. Honestly, <laughs> um, it's a. Uh... I, I don't know why it's such a universal thing, but it's in everything, it feels like. It's because bodies are interesting. We all got yeah. it. Dan, Fun fact of the day. Dan looking, uh, Dan thinking there's only one thing for it. I have to turn tiny and go inside. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, but when you're that small, the human body is like an entire cosmos. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I, I wish I didn't remember that one dumb Ant-Man tweet. <laughs> so he does he is just ant-man <laughs> is, the, yeah. is the thing about ultra seven is that he is now just out an ant-man he can turn tiny as well as big he he knows he had to do it to him he so does. you want to know the weird thing about this episode for me go ahead all of the stuff with kauri being out of it and walking around and dragging amagi along and and all of that i absolutely loved i thought the imagery of them being on the carousel at night together alone was really affecting and mm -hmm. like kind of unsettling in a in a really intriguing way there's that shot where they find amagi as the the ride is slowing down hunched over and then they hear a rustling and then you just see her running in her hospital get up like into the darkness um reminded me a lot actually of the ultra q episode with the Khmer and with the, yes. the stuff at the end uh in the amusement park um there are some genuine oh god really into it yeah um, there are some there are some genuinely cool um uh like vampire horror vibes on the nighttime attacks uh the first one it's like there's a there's a couple of good like um i you know i i guess i didn't find it very scary but i guess you could call it you could call them scares um and uh i think yeah like you said uh anytime the the ultra <laughs> the the uh Tsuburaya productions gets access to that little fairground um at night uh they go off uh it it works um yeah, I, this is a, a real like episode of like two very separate parts, uh, and I think, yes. <laughs> I, think, I think both the parts are cool uh, in very different ways. The marriage between them is very bizarre, <laughs> um, but I I do like this episode. I I did at the end of it. I don't want to say I was disappointed, but I was just like, oh, this was I. I thought for a large part of the early parts of this episode, like, oh, this is going to be, like, a fucking killer one. And then, like, towards the end, I'm like, it's pretty good, but it's not, like, what I thought it would be. But I, I still had fun with it. Uh, I thought all the stuff inside the body was a was a hoot and a good time. Uh, I like I like it when my tokusatsu enemies uh, dissolve into foam when they die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, got a few notes on this one. Go for it. Um, so, first of all, worth noting that... Uh, 
1966, you got the American movie The Fantastic Voyage, uh, which is a movie about some people go inside a body. Ah, so okay. Probably that probably makes sense. Uh, the stuff with Amaki is partly because uh, his actor, Ben Faria, was like, man, I really want to be a lead actor in a romance show. And then the director of this episode was like, all right, I'll throw your bone. Here's an episode that's romance with this right Oh man, the jump from zero ro- zero romance roles to uh, romance with a vampire, um, big jump. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Oh my god, I forgot his name, Robert Patterson. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, um. Uh, also. The kaiju uh, this week is called Dali, and is the first kaiju designed by Noriyoshi Kea, who's basically coming to replace <laughs> Toru Narita. Does this man departed... have, a, have more strange rules? Really? <laughs> he actually does. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! So, so uh, Ikea was came in uh naruto's departure was apparently rather sudden or at least a surprise to this guy um mm-hmm. uh he would he'd be signing for the rest of seven and would go on to design more stuff for returns mm-hmm. um he also has three rules <laughs> oh my god uh so let's go through them uh number one uh monsters and aliens shouldn't look like real life creatures uh Fuck. So what Shut the fuck up! This is a beetle. <laughs> so, so, so that's why I look for fashion magazines for inspiration. This is what? <laughs> you look at the fashion magazines. I guess so. Uh, two, uh, my favorite rule, and maybe relevant to next episode. Maybe uh, they need to look pathetic in some way due to them being killed at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> oh wow, uh, that's like, that's like, ooh, we've got evil Toru Naruto. <laughs> This is the exact opposite of like. Do you know that uh, the uh, oh fuck? Why am I why am I blinking on uh, Dark Souls guy's name? Miyazaki. Uh, Miyazaki. Yes, this is like the the fucking Miyazaki quote or whatever, where he's like, e- even at their lowest, all monsters or creatures have some degree of dignity to them. That is the exact opposite. <laughs> he's like, uh, no, even at the coolest, they must look a little pathetic. <laughs> um, much like Vegeta, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So what's rule? Uh, what's third the third rule? rule? Yeah, third rule is uh, no pupils to highlight how divorced from humanity all of them are. Uh, oh wow, this guy's fucked point, up. <laughs> uh, even so, I'm sure some of his guys will still have pupils, just because yeah. that's how it rolls. Uh, yeah. Also, just to note, uh, you know. Some sources include Altopia blog as usual, but also using uh, another blog I found through someone I've been acquainted with recently through the Ultraman server I'm in, uh, Easter's Kaiju Compendium, which is another blog. Mm-hmm. So just, uh, Toru Narita, I'm sorry, come back. <laughs> the this the these this guy's vibe seems worse. <laughs> he's, uh, like... I think he's funnier. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. See, now I'm just like, I want to see this guy cook. What, what's he got? In the oven we'll, for we'll, us? we'll see. We'll see what he's got. But this is like, a, this is like, 
a hilarious like me celebrating yay Toru Naruto's gone now we're a little more free new guy comes in okay I've got new rules here's the rules the other is a disgusting enemy (laughs) that must be destroyed (laughs) uh so we'll we'll I can't wait for we'll see how how long it takes until we get something truly fucked up um yeah. Anyway, uh, I mean, we got we got like half the show left, and also return of Ultraman. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have production notes as I, well. The, from... the one the one thing I want to say before we get into more production notes is, uh, the effects for the inside of the body are really cool. I uh, like the yes. The, yes. the the yeah. the thing where it's like tangles of veins uh, and like you can see like the yellow medicine passing through them is like I I was like this is the this is they've spent a lot of money on this. <laughs> um, yeah. It's very very elaborate. Uh very It well looks done. a lot better than you would expect it to honestly. Yeah, I was they, they when I saw it. the the nostril and then I was like, oh, this is going to look bad. This is going to look so funny. Um, and then it was just good. <laughs> it's like weird meat chambers and tunnels. And it's like, yeah, this yeah. this feels right. That was my last thing. Uh, production notes. Uh, this was directed by the Mephilus man himself, Toshitsugu Suzuki. Yay. Uh, and then written by uh, our friend and notorious weird episode writer, Shozo Uehara. Excellent. Um, he do write weird once. Yeah, no dinosaur tank in this Uehara episode, sadly. But you know, yeah, uh, you know, I'll take this. I feel like that's it's past. Yeah. We're never getting Dino Tank again. Yeah, you're telling me that Dino Tank didn't become one of the classic Ultraman guys. I mean, I'm not gonna are you, say. Are you telling me episode? Are you telling me after Return of Ultraman, the next series isn't called Re- Return of Dino Tank? <laughs> the return of dino tank we will make it real um all right well unless we have anything more to say about episode 31 should we get on to episode 32 yeah so uh my notes for this one are a little more broad um (laughs) why would that be (laughs) i I wonder i wonder if red has opinions they're editorializing into the episode already uh i'm a tyrant i accept this um this is my duty uh <clears throat> episode 32 the strolling planet uh, yes senses which better title than another title that i saw for this online which was just like what was the other the, one the, the the island in the sky i've also seen the wandering planet but yeah. yeah strolling is so good um this is about the best thing in this episode uh sensors detect something like an asteroid on course to hit the ultra guard base it's probably nothing uh, it'll probably burn up in atmosphere. But Dan, Furuhashi, and Magi go check it out. Uh, when they check it out, uh, the three of them find an island floating in the sky and crash land on it, having been drawn in by powerful electromagnetism, I believe. Uh, the Ultra Guard base figures out that this island could be a major problem and set up the weapon Killy, ready to fire and destroy the, uh, the island if they can't rescue Dan, Furuhashi, and Amagi. Um, the weapon Killy is like two big missiles... Um, on a truck. Uh, meanwhile, on the island, the trio make some observations. They find the asteroid, a tiny, a tiny little rock. 
they find the island must be from Japan because of the mountain on it, which at a glance looks like it might be Fuji? Am I getting that right? Um, I, I couldn't yeah, tell you. <laughs> but they also spot an alien base, which is likely where the electromagnet is operated from. I... I would like to know the order of events here. Uh, this episode doesn't care. That doesn't, that's fine. Um, they get into the base, but get locked in. And then after some tribulations, they successfully unlock themselves in and escape. Uh, good job, guys. Uh, Dan figures the electromagnetism is what's stopping them from flying away. So Dan volunteers to destroy the, the alien base. One problem, there's an alien kaiju. He deploys our first new ca capsule kaiju since like episode two. Yeah, three. Three. Uh, this one's a very rowdy bipedal uh, triceratops. Uh, Dan plants explosives in the base while the kaiju fight and then returns to deal with it himself. Uh, he retrieves the capsule kaiju, transforms into Ultra 7, and uh, defeats the alien kaiju. Everyone escapes the... Uh Oh. While the aliens run every dry ice machine that they have on hand also, too. <laughs> There's so much fucking fog. Oh, my God. Uh, then everyone escapes, and I is, was the island destroyed? Yeah, it blows up because okay. uh, of the bomb. And, like, it gets lured away because, uh, for some reason, the head is a beacon. Yes. And Ultra 7 yes. flies away with the head. Yeah, the head the, the head is the beacon who flies away with the head. Yes, I remember that now. Um, anyway, Which, the like, end. Uh, first truly mid-episode of Ultra 7 in a while, IMO. <laughs> so I was thinking about it. This episode remind Well, one, this episode reminds me a lot of the Totala episode in a way. I think oh, so maybe you're saying partially you like it. because... Um, <laughs> Listen, nothing could ever top my wait, boy. Wait, wait, no, hang um, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's not the the total episode is really good. It's just the total is in it. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I think the fog honestly may have just been putting my brain there, but more so, what this reminded me of was episode eighteen, Escape Dimension X, which was when they just kind of Amagi and oh, Soga yeah. just fucking. But like, I liked this better than that one. But I do agree that this was pretty subpar. <laughs> I kind of like the other one more, maybe? I like the vibes of that one more. This mm. one just kind of exists. Mm -hmm. uh, you get a funny gag where Amagi's standing on top of Furuhashi and Dan, and like they try to have a conversation, but also yes. they're not comfortable. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is a highlight in the episode. Um, there's just some... This just feels like this script was done in a hurry and did not get time to tighten so, up. The ir yes. irony is, uh, according to some like background research, apparently they had the idea for this episode since Ultraman and just put it on ice until they got to use an Ultra Seven. I think instead, I think instead of putting it on ice, they should have gotten it out of the ice and checked that it was good <laughs> I, uh, before just put shipping it. Because um, I, you like, the whole thing is like, oh, this island, this is an island from Japan. Because look over there, and it's like. It's like Mount Fuji, and it's like, oh yeah, the, Mount Fuji's on this island, and also there's an alien base. Okay, so the asteroid lands, picks up the island, there's also an alien base um, that I guess was built in the time since the asteroid landed. Weren't they going to find the asteroid as it was landing? It has already landed and already picked up an island 
that has Mount Fuji. Did no one notice Mount Fuji? Have I just mistaken an entirely different mountain for Mount Fuji? Uh, I'm not sure. I just I just assumed like they saw they were on Earth because I don't know. I actually remember this part. Of the episode. I mean, I remember it, but I just don't neither know do I. I'm just like, well, it happens, I guess. Uh, as you can tell, I really focused in on this bit <laughs> because I was like, what is happening? What's going on? <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, there's some. The steps aren't necessarily clear here because they go to investigate the falling asteroid, but it's it's not an asteroid by the time they get there. It's an island that has been picked up from Earth, which means that the asteroid already fell and already picked up an island. And I... I don't know, guys. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like time and time again consistently my least favorite episodes of these shows tend to be these types where it's the gimmick is whoa we're in a weird landscape this time and sometimes they can pull it off but a lot of the time it feels like an excuse for them to wander around and kind of do nothing for a long period of time mm -hmm. you mean like the monster energy zone yeah and honestly that like I, I was thinking about that a little bit too where it's like i just don't know if these episodes do it for me um in the way that they typically intend to and honestly i think monster anarchy zone did a lot better job at doing this sort of episode than this one did too to monster anarchy zone also just had a lot going on because they had they fight they meet they fight a big uh rock kaiju uh they fight red king and also pigmon dies yes also Chandler's uh, there. <laughs> Our boy. Um, I have a quiz for both of you. Uh-oh. Can you tell me who directed this episode? Because there's one giveaway. One give. Okay, hang on. Let's think about this. Well, I know he's in Kyoto. <laughs> so it's not Akio Josoji. <laughs> <laughs> The, the giveaway... It's that the, would have been the greatest twist of all time. Oh, no, we just shit-talk this episode. Ah, uh, yeah, Zakio Jusoji is like, what are you, what are you <laughs> talking about? No, it's not. Um, hmm. It's not... The thing is, it's not like a huge... Oh, hang on. Is the explosion like a huge special effects thing? Is no. Yeah. Okay, so it's not Super Hajime. It's not Hajime. Is it... This feels mean. Is it Nonagase? Yes, it is. <laughs> what was is the tell that it's mid? Uh, <laughs> one, yeah, what I meant more so is that uh, that fucking dinosaur gets decapitated. Oh, yeah, you're right. That Yeah, he does love that. <laughs> but also, yeah, sometimes uh, sometimes he makes mid. He is, a, he is very inconsistent. We go on about this all the time, but... Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, um... I, as with a heavy heart, I must say that the kaiju, whose name I do not know how to pronounce, and I worry about doing so, uh, is recycled from the dinosaur tank. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, apparently, for whatever reason, there's like side material that says the island's name is Din, but also, I don't know if the island needed a name. Now, also, <laughs> Mel, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't point one of that one new designer's thing, it should not the monster should not look like an existing animal. Uh, I do think this is one where he just got, like, I had a thing dropped on his lap. Uh, actually, hold on a second. Uh, okay, because this is a fucking dinosaur. This is just a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his, his concept art is, like, a lot... It also has pupils. More 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Out. Uh, the concept art is like a lot uh, more interesting than like the one they get from cannibalizing the dinosaur tank suit. Mm. The most important the most important thing that we're really missing though right now is Agira. Yeah, uh, Agira yeah. is cool. uh, our third guy. Third guy shows up in the last third of the show. The third guy who I somehow for some reason th- had invented in my head last time. Oh yeah, uh, he's a little. I could have sworn that we already had three capsule monsters. I, you know what? Actually, I think for some reason Ella King is a capsule monster in my brain, but that is not true. He fights no, one of them. No, uh, yeah, Agira apparently named after Akira Superaya, Ag's third son. I don't know why. No. Um. Originally, they thought about using Pagos in this episode and then using Wyndham, uh, but they made a new guy instead. Uh, oh. Hmm. Well, as we talked about in like their first Ultra Seven episode, they wanted to make new guys instead of like bring back old guys for like Ultra continuity, more merch, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like I guess they wanted a new guy because apparently there was another show airing at the same time called The Monster Prince, uh, which was dinosaur focused despite having Kaiju in its title. Oh, it's, uh, that, it's, that, it's, that, it's the kid from Ultraman. It's the kid from the the oh, yeah, yeah. the the, the, the two parter. Yeah, that that reminds me. We forgot to mention in King Kong versus Godzilla they destroy another castle. <laughs> Damn, yeah, Cats, it's they're, not running, they're running out of castles. They also specifically Godzilla and Kong are squaring off and then move so that they are in like on opposite sides of the castle and then fight with the castle in between them <laughs> specifically to ruin it. Nice. They're like uh, uh fuck Japan's cultural heritage sites. Um <laughs> do you want to know the most tragic part of this episode? What's the most tragic part of this episode? So written by Shozo Uehara and then also written by Masahiro Yamada who we know and love from the uh, Return or the the Dragon Castle, uh, Weird Bird, and Kanegan trilogy of episodes from all Oh, that's a as shame. As well as the Pegula episodes and Rainbow's Egg. <laughs> oh, hey, that's the Pegula's um, connection. Yeah, and then also did uh, the Power Plant Monster, Fake Peter, Alpinist, Red vs. Blue, Dada, and Don't Shoot Arashi episodes of Ultraman. Can't, I can't believe Rooster Teeth got him to write for Red vs. Blue. Yeah. Ruby's a VTuber now for some reason. I saw that in my YouTube algorithm. Uh, it's easy. Yeah, I guess that's Then I got sad because I'm like, wow, my YouTube algorithm has seen much <laughs> better days. Uh, they axed Achievement Hunter. They finally they finally just took it out back and killed it. Damn. Took their fucking time. Yeah. yeah. Guess there's no more achievements to hunt. Taking it behind the back, like Ultra Seven does with this dragon. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, do we have anything more to say about this episode? No. 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 Okay. This is pretty mid. <laughs> Let me tell you about a really good episode of Ultra Seven. More editorializing <laughs> coming up. Episode thirty-three: The Invading Dead. Um, a microfilm yes. containing the whereabouts of all the secret Ultra Guard bases on Earth is being transported to the Japanese base for safekeeping. Uh, via submarine, which has never gone wrong before. Via submarine, which no. has never gone Historically, the safest method of travel. Historically, for, uh... historically, the safest Ultra Guard base on Earth. 
the Japan yes. branch where someone hasn't someone in, someone in Paris hasn't been reading the incident reports that have been getting filed um uh meanwhile uh, people keep stepping like in front of speeding ultraguard cars and they have to be brought back to base for treatment uh the body for Ahashi brings back attacks him and gets a stun shot from Amagi and inspects the body and says damn he's dead all the patients are dead actually um investigation reveals they are all cadavers stolen from a hospital uh the ultra guard has like eight of these corpses in a room all while the microfilm is locked away in the vault uh dan is assigned to keep a wary eye on them uh doors begin opening and closing on their own as the shadows of the dead detach themselves from the corpses and wander the base uh dan thinks something is odd but the bodies are still right where they're supposed to be uh the shadows find the vault and steal the microfilm but they trigger an alarm Returning to their bodies, the shadows have to confront Dan, who turns into Ultra Seven. Uh, in response, uh, the shadows turn into ghostly forms of the dead and shrink Ultra Seven and put him under a glass, uh, which is the greatest image in the whole <laughs> everything. Ultra Q to Ultra Seven. This is the most amazing thing I've, I've ever seen. Uh, just these two guys just peering in at little Ultra Seven. Um, after some fruitless attempts to escape the glass, Ultra 7 uses his tiny head beam to start a fire in the room, which causes the Ultra Guard to come running and put out the fire. Uh, his glass gets knocked over in the process, and Tiny 7 turns back into normal-sized Dan. Uh, while this was happening, the Shadows used the main computer to transmit the data in the microfilm. Now, I just want to emphasize the rest of this. Uh, this the rest of this is going to go much quicker, but I just want to emphasize for people that this is about 10 minutes of the episode <laughs> uh the rest of it is the ultra guard trace the signal find a ruined building uh, and a transmitter figure it must be relaying the data to space they go to space dan finds the alien spaceship gets blown up turns into ultra seven uh two missiles get launched uh from the alien ship seven destroys one before getting captured uh, he gets rescued by the rest of the Ultra Guard, who destroyed the second missile. Ultra 7 then destroys the spaceship, and the Ultra Guard return home, a bit down about the whole affair. Uh, then Dan walks into view like, damn, that shit was wild. And everyone celebrates the fact that, once again, he somehow did not explode and die. The end. Good episode. Yeah. Uh, you forgot the part where, like, they're, like, joshing... Dan at the end of the episode, and for whatever reason, he picks up the phone, and there's just a freeze frame of him. Yeah, there's just a freeze frame of him picking up the phone, just like, whoa. It's like, what? What did he hear? Uh, yeah, someone at Paris HQ uh, doesn't has not been paying attention, has not been watching the show, because they're like, where's the safest place that we can put this microfilm? The Japan <laughs> base, where nothing ever happens. <clears throat> um, now, now, This episode, did, did anyone know what was the dis most distinctive, like stylistic choice th in this episode? Uh, I would say it's uh, some certain flash cut transitions with some drum beats. Yes, these are straight from Captain Scarlet. Well, I, oh. I, in my background research, I discovered that this is in fact straight from Captain Scarlet. <laughs> uh yeah this is this is Cap this is just captain scarlet the captain scarlet i have used the drums the captain scarlet drums on this podcast to transition between uh like ed like edits <laughs> i i did one time um uh it's uh yeah uh captain scarlet i think airing as this show begins i think um 
And uh, yeah, Captain Scarlet, very suitable pull for this episode. Uh, Captain Scarlet is the one that's like cold war between humanity and these uh, mysterious aliens. Um, the, <clears throat> the, the quote unquote war of nerves, uh, which is uh, the coolest description of, <laughs> of a cold war I've ever heard. Um, and uh, yeah, the, they do it like they did it once. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Captain Scarlet. And they did it like three more times. And I was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go. Uh, so, yeah, compulsory. When when Jerry Anderson sh shows up, I'm here. I'm here for it. Well, it also makes sense because uh, directed by Hajime Subaraya. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, AG's been raising his I kid right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's why he's the one in charge at the after this one, um, and shockingly, for I think the first time since we've done this podcast, this episode for the third episode covered, also written by Shozo Uehara, three times in a row. Yeah, this guy likes uh, psychic powers. I think he like yeah. he likes psychic powers, and he likes episodes that are ten minutes are entirely different episode. <laughs> Yeah, because um, the first half of this episode is all the shadow stuff. This is like the best bit of this episode. Uh, I I assume that we all agree on that. Oh yeah, yeah. The part where Hon honestly, I started to, I started to <laughs> towards the end, kind of like drone off to the point does... where I kind of I re I rewound and I was like, wait, hold on, I need to make sure I paid attention. <laughs> yeah, it loses the bit at the end. Uh, that's it. Is extremely funny that. Ultra 7 gets caught in a glass small, uh, yeah. and later on gets caught in a glass big in space. <laughs> yes! Yes! They, uh, they know his weakness. <laughs> um, the, uh, he didn't think he knows a really cold in, glass. He didn't think to grow big inside the glass. No, it's very funny that he can't grow big until he gets released from the glass. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he's like, I don't want to cause a broken glass mess for people to clean up. I'll it's start a fire. fire. <laughs> I'll start a fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the shadow effect uh, is really cute. Uh, just very straightforward. Uh, they film some shadows with the people casting the shadows off screen. Um, the I it works better than I would have ever expected. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like how. Uh... The TDF opens security doors with guns. That whole sequence with the locking away the microfilm is really cool. Um, uh, that like it's like walking through like the the TDF kernel uses like this special security gun to shoot the lock um, and uh, open like they go through like multiple multiple locks and then uh, lock away this microfilm. <clears throat> And uh, then we get to watch the, the this. This is a very well well thought out, well done alien heist. Uh, grats to these aliens. Uh, you did a good job. Shame that yeah. Ultra Seven was there. Uh, the aliens, of course, don't show up in the episode. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the like the background information, they're currently called Alien. The transliteration is Yule, but the katakana is Yuri, which is weird. Mm. Uh, also, apparently, KF did like some concept art, which also put in the trend of what they look like. Of course, the end of this is like not real because it's not ever shown up anywhere. But that's what they theoretically could have looked like. Uh, mm. 
theoretically, they look pretty cool. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's I'm, that's another one. That's another alien. True. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, the um, once they get into space, it becomes like just kind of standard like R seven action stuff. Um, but you know because it's not, he doesn't actually fight a kaiju. No. This episode, oh, yeah, I guess I think think about it. This is like the first episode without an actual real kaiju. Huh. Which is like interesting. Yeah, it is. It's, it's more like Ultra Q in that regard, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we've had a couple of episodes where he's been normal-sized and fighting normal-sized aliens. Yeah. But this is the first time we just, like, the guys are... There's, like, ship battles, and then, like, the threat's like a ghost thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, reminds me of, like, the Lily episode of Ultra Q a bit. Except, you know, Jin didn't fight Lily. <laughs> which would have been... I think the... I think... The the ghost stuff with like the semi transparency and like the stuff they do with them like lurking about is is pretty effective mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the imagery. Yeah, I think the the mood in this episode is on point. Um, uh, you know, it's just just a it's just a it's a good time. Uh, and constantly going to people, he's dead, and people being like, "Really?" And she's like, "Yep, he's dead." <laughs> so he, he isn't he like moving? It's like he's dead. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm sure I set my gun to stun. This is this is the lesson, folks. There's no such thing as non-lethal. Um, if it's a weapon, it's a weapon. Uh, the uh, yeah, there's uh, there's just um, just just good stuff. Uh, now, this is a and Anne's importance in the Ultra Guard has been severely hampered by the introduction. I don't know when it happened. It might have been the snowy the snowy episode when it started happening. Uh, but, like, the first episode for this week, the one where Ultra 7 goes into the body, um, Anne is not the Doctor in charge. What's, what yeah. are we doing? Yeah, that's a bit unfortunate. It's, it's just... it's. It's like I'm not even necessarily, obviously, you know. I I I, obviously I do have problems with misogyny, but uh, I also just have a fundamental problem of you have a character for this. <laughs> you, yeah. you you can have like character drama <clears throat> instead of just having these these nobodies that we don't know their name. Um, why waste that? It doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't know what you're Yeah, I, I feel like this show is way more likely, and even beyond And, but I feel I feel like And gets the short end of the stick with this by far. But this show does, I feel, more than Ultraman sometimes have the issue of bringing a new person in, where I feel like maybe one of the core members of the cast could have used that space as an opportunity to you mean like just the get episodes, a little more stuff. You mean the episodes of Stencil about Soga, which aren't actually about Soga? Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're they're gra- they're eventually going to have like a solid episode worth of material for Soga, just like built up through multiple episodes. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I the guys in this show still get more than most of the guys in Ultraman got. Yeah, I you know the, they're they're all guys by now, including Hayato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the thing is though, the thing is, I do still. I realize that we harp on it, but it is really, it does a lot for me when he rocks up at the very end, like, yo, what's happening? 
<laughs> I was chasing an orb. Where am I? Did you deal with an alien threat? Okay. Damn. Um, Meanwhile, Ide subplot. <laughs> yeah, he comes back and finds out Ide's like on the edge permanently. He's like, what happened to you? Which way to Uweg? <laughs> Which way to Uweg? I think I've invented a better Ultraman ending. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, Don't worry, I'm sure we'll get plenty of works in the future that try and relitigate the ending of Ultraman. I'm excited. I can't, I, I mean, can't. Hell, we, even, we, even, we even have the Return of Ultraman next. I can't, yeah. I can't wait for the show that they will make, that we have predicted, and they obviously will make where Ide is the bad guy, and he says, I'm glad that uh, the, the science patrol got bombed like this. <laughs> I need it so bad too. What a king. Um his his psychopath is a mess. Alright, well, do we have anything more to say about this episode? Uh, uh no, pretty yeah, solid. I I'll say I think this is one of Hajime's supervised better episodes. Actually, yeah, you're right. I'll I'm gonna give Hajime this. I think this is his best episode. <laughs> um what, just off better than Alien Cool? Uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, Did that cool. have Dan on the roof of the car? It did have Dan on the roof of the car, but didn't have Dan <laughs> in a tiny little glass. Uh, yeah, strangely, that episode not made by Hajime Tsuburaya, who did do uh, a 1-8th project. The, the, the love for making your characters tiny is well spread across the Ultra series creative mind. <clears throat> Yeah. Okay, so who's going to be big this show? Who's going to be big this show? Ooh. I don't know if it actually happens, but if it did happen. What if there's like a chain and Furuhashi's like, well, Fuji got to be big last time. <laughs> big, big Furuhashi. Big Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He'll finally give him the strength to talk to his mom. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big boy now. Proud of me now. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sad. Uh, She'd be like, "Well, dang, with those big hands, you can farm pretty good." <laughs> oh no! Oh, poor Furuhashi. I think it should be Soga because he strikes me as uh, the little guy of the group. Yeah. Um, Soga turns big at the start of the episode and somehow the episode is still not about him <laughs> I, I mean now to be fair when Fuji turned big the episode wasn't exactly about her either that's true, this is true. That's true. <laughs> it was extremely about some kid who was clearly meant to be another character that got written out of the show oh my god it's so funny that that's what that episode is <laughs> yeah it's is, we built it up so much because of <laughs> yeah. shit ultra man <laughs> this... oh <laughs> uh, you know well we had to the shit ultra man simply Mephilus is simply the coolest guy in the in the whole world you know we didn't talk about it but do y'all know about the shit ultra man blu-ray situation uh, no oh it's bad it's really bad yeah they 
they apparently the Mel, you might know more details about it, but apparently they fucked up the Blu-ray like subtitles really awful to the point where they did like a replacement swap out program. Oh, I did hear but then also this. even parts of that were screwed up. It sounds yeah, they, like I think they're on like the third run slash recall. It's really dire. Um, I'm happy I didn't buy it because I had it pre-ordered and then I canceled it because I wasn't I, I was on that trip that I took and I was like yeah I'll just cancel it and I'll buy it later when it's on sale or something and uh, maybe that was for the best yeah <clears throat> it's really shitty it's also not even by the same company who does the usual Ultraman stuff yeah I guess like Cleopatra or something as opposed to Mill Creek who does like the all the shows. all the stuff we've watched yeah. yeah all the stuff that we've been using all three of us yeah mm-hmm. Um, one, one last note on Ultra 7 before we call it. Mm-hmm. Folks, I don't think this is the one where there's a bunch of Ultra guys on crosses by at this point. <laughs> I feel like it has yeah. to be. I, I, I just feel, I feel it in my heart is it has to be. Maybe it'll be a, a last minute thing. So we do have one more month or so of the show. True. This, maybe, this you know is what? Like, yeah, maybe now th- that would be a final episode thing, right? Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. So both of you have watched all of Double O, right? Yes. Yeah. But yes. Okay. So I am. I am just cutting this out. But I have to. I have to. I have to ask this. I have to say this is. It might. It might be like or like. It might be like how. Um, yeah, you do have to cut that out. Yeah, I do. Uh, uh, but don't cut out the part where we say we cut it out because it would be funny in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just gonna beep it again. <laughs> two, two weeks um, in a row. So if it doesn't show up in this show, what throw sh- dart at the board. Which oh. show? Um, am I safe to just look up a list of Ultraman? Oh, we have a list. You have a spreadsheet. Shush, 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 shush. Uh, I'm opening up the spreadsheet. Okay. Um, <laughs> was this such a stupid question to ask? <laughs> such a no, galactically I'm I, dumb question. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, uh, so I'm gonna bet. I don't think Ultraman nice because that doesn't sound nice at all, frankly. Uh, I'm gonna go for Ultraman Cosmos. Mm. Cosmos sounds like a thing where like it's all like spacey and there'd be a lot of Ultra dudes to be crucified. Ooh. Also, I gotta say, I always pass by this. I don't know what the fuck Ultraman Zerth is, but I like that name a lot. If it's a, if it's like a, a crossover, maybe they'd need like seven different Ultraman, right? We're all gonna be really fucked up when it's an Ultra Neon to the Great Happy Operation. <laughs> so it might be like it might be like. In the eighties, it might be like Ultraman. It might be Ultraman eighty. Yeah, <laughs> Ultraman eighty guys. Yeah, eighty guys on Christmas. <laughs> Holy shit! I can't believe Ultraman invented the battle royale on top of Pokemon. God. Well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, there's the predictions, uh, and we'll see how the pans out. Uh, my my uh, prediction hold is on. It's still this Ultra one's. Stuff, but, you know. 
Uh, this one's called Ultraman The Adventure Begins, and I would argue that you can't call your Ultraman thing that when it's number 30 on our list of things. Gundam The Origin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is about the detective partner. This is about... <laughs> it's, it's gotta be... It's gotta be about uh, on the way to to kid to capture uh, what is it, Benula or whatever, um, and his partner dies on the way. That's what it's gonna be, and he's like, "God, I wish I had a. I'll never, I'll never have a partner again." Immediately meets Hayata. <laughs> <laughs> I would call them partners, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, he is my partner. Don't mind that he's comatose. I keep him in a partnership. Keep in a is what I take over someone's mind forcibly. <laughs> he's my detective partner, but this weekend weekends at Bernie's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I'm sorry, I'm sorry, partner. I have to leave you. What? I ooh, where am I? <laughs> um. All right. I think I I think we're wrapped. Um. Uh, timers. Do you see a capital countdown? Yeah, that's uh, it's been that. seven episodes since. Uh, Agra in his debut pins gets four minutes, twenty three seconds. Pretty decent outing. That's solid. Pretty decent. Yeah. His outing was also quite funny because he's really <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, we have. An I'm email. curious. Oh, oh, I was gonna say, I'm curious yeah. if we get any more ca- like new capsule monsters in the series before it wraps up. Uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we have an email, real quick. Oh. Email. Email. So this is by Cedric Sar, uh, as usual. Uh, the email subject is Dinosaur Tank. <laughs> uh, Let's go. The text the, e- the text of the email is, okay, so I have nothing really to say about anything until the end of Ultra 7. I just wanted to say Dinosaur Tank. Dinosaur Tank. Yeah, true. Uh, so thank you for the insight. Dinosaur Tank. Dinosaur Tank. Dinosaur Tank. Excellent. All right. Well, in that case, we call that an episode. If you want to follow the show, you can do so at ultra underscore Q on Twitter. That is at ultra underscore Q U E U E. My name is my name. My you can find me on Twitter. There we go. I lost the plot for a second there. We're back. Uh, If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, you can do so so at gender underscore redacted. Um, Mel. Uh, you can follow me at Dear Crowns on Twitter, Brewski Coast. Um, we have an email, ultracupod at gmail.com. We have a uh, coffee, ultracupond, Rosin. Uh, yeah, I'm Rosinbrain. You can find me everywhere online Neo Cities, Friendster, MySpace. That's a lot. No, none of those places. Um, <laughs> new grounds no um yeah uh you can find me on twitter blue sky co-host i need to use those other two more uh it's r-a-s-e-n-b-r-a-n and uh as soon as we're uh wrapped up here uh i am going to run and apparently buy some groceries uh for my aunt because uh she broke her leg but after i'm done with that i'm going to stream some armored corsets damn Hope she feels better. Yeah. Hope your aunt feels better. Multiple people in my life in the past two months have broken limbs, and like I'm kind of nervous. I'm next. I'm not gonna lie. Just don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't do anything that would like have that happen normally. I've never, so, like, I've we'll never see, broken a but... bone. I'm part of never broke a bone gang. 
Same. Oh, I I broke my arm when I was four because I was jumping up and down on the couch, uh, pretending I was Superman, and then I landed wrong and I fucked up my arm. Weak uh, bones. I'm sorry, but uh, we only accept people who've never broken bones as hosts of this podcast. Damn. Yeah. Weak bone. Get out of here. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's a podcast. We'll see you f- next week for three more episodes three, of Ultra Seven. Uh, episode 34, 35, 36. Uh, join us then. Bye bye. Goodbye. Later. Right.